Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On today's show, we have multi-instrumentalist Ori Soaring. I've known Ori since she was playing sax and go-go symphony. Yes folks, it's exactly what it sounds like, a mix between symphonic music and go-go. We talk about her experiences in the DC music scene, her musical roots, and other topics. We take it a bit street level, so if you're offended by language, okay. So, how's it looking in Houston? Houston's Houston, man. It's not my favorite city, but uh, it gets the job done. So, All right. How'd you end up out there, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, sure. I uh, went out here just, I thought the pace of D.C. was too intense for me. Not, I won't say too intense. I'll say that I wanted a a less intense space. So, you know me as a you know a musician, but I was also in the marketing industry. And so, it was... For two years i maybe slept five hours six hours a night Jeez. maybe yeah and i was just like running because i was making both dreams come true and um and hey you know 20s like you're in your 20s let's do it and so yeah you can do it and uh how'd you grow up though you know you're so where are you from i grew up mostly a military kid oh okay so uh, we we moved around a lot, uh, basically like once a year. So one of the things that I learned at any school I went to was music was a way to instantly get you a get you a crew. Uh, although I never really had a crew, I've always had just like one or two friends like in each stage of life because that's really all I can keep up with with all this you know other stuff I do. But uh, yeah, so I would let's say. I lived in Alaska for a bit and then I, we moved to Tennessee. You get there and you're like looking around like, all right, who's friendly? Oh no. These kids here like, like red hot chili peppers. Okay, cool. And so we moved to Atlanta and okay, let's outcast hip hop. All right, cool. So it was just like in looking for community and looking to find friends and, and people to kick it with music has always been that, that, uh, I don't know that that thing that that's sort of the olive branch, and I'm the eldest of many, and uh, picked up a horn when I was 13. But uh, do you remember Magellan's Castle by chance? Yes, I do. Eureka's Castle, the Eureka's Castle. You Magellan right. was Magellan's the, the character was talking about Mandela effect because you were like thoroughly convinced to go on Magellan's castle, where it's Eureka's Castle. <laughs> You're right, castle it was. Man. Luther, Luther Vandross was on there one time, right? What? No, I don't remember that. That was a weird episode. It was like a special, actually. I do not remember that. I need to look. I wish I could look it up. A lot of the stuff from Nickelodeon from that time, they didn't get clearances. So you can't really get box sets. Yeah, I know. So, it's like Jim Hansen didn't give a shit no. about. <laughs> He's like, just put the Star Wars in there. Like, should we get. Like Clarence, look, ah, fuck it, it's Kermit, yeah, baby Kermit, exactly. So, uh, so I was watching that, and you know, Magellan played sax, and I was a kid, like little bitty, and I was like, "What's that?" And I asked my mom, like, "What?" You know, I have to refer to her to all my my world questions. I'm like, "What is this?" It's a saxophone. I'm like, "Well, you know, can I get one of those?" Like, look, look what he's doing. He's killing <laughs> it. <laughs> and she was like, "You can get one, like when you get to." Uh, middle school and i was like okay cool middle school starts seventh grade 
mom, can I get my saxophone? <laughs> She's like, you remember that? I haven't stopped thinking about it. <laughs> and so um, we go up there. And she's talking to the teacher and she's like, she wants to play saxophone. And the teacher's like, we start them off on clarinet. She's like, nah, she doesn't want to start on clarinet though. She wants to play saxophone. And then they tried to give me an alto. Like I whispered at her. I'm like, there's a bigger one. And she's like, my mom's like, there's a bigger saxophone. I'm like the tenor, but she's only five too. <laughs> like, yeah, she wants the tenor. So sort of give you an idea of how I grew up. A lot of the shit that I am into and have been into has just been sort of just me and it's kind of weird because it's like how do you how it's funny how I came upon a lot of the things I like because I'd be the only person around who fucked with it oh yeah fucked with it so hard oh yeah and um yeah that's that's just been the the story so I would just have like little pockets to where I'd be like oh okay if I want to rock out I can go over here and if I want to hang out skaters, I go over here. And if I want to do this thing, so it's just always been sort of this chameleon effect. You mentioned clarinet, right? So is that like an instrument to just give everybody out? Because you're like the second person I know that that did end up with clarinet or like, what's it, is it viola or cello? One of those. Mm-hmm. You know, second person I noticed that. So, you know, is that like a thing or am I just missing something out here? Uh, well, all right. So when you're playing sax, clarinet and so okay so the fingerings on a clarinet are the same are are very similar to that of a saxophone with the exclusion of like you have to like do half hole coverings which is fucking madness um also the embouchure is very similar so the mouthpieces i don't have a mouthpiece here but the mouthpieces are very similar so clarinet's a good gateway instrument to the saxophone world if you're about that life uh i'm not because the other part is um if you want to play saxophone just fucking play saxophone if a kid wants to play saxophone and you give the kid a clarinet then years later when the kid's like in their 30s and they're like well shit i wish i would have stuck with music you're like well why didn't you well my teacher gave me a different instrument than i asked for (laughs) and i didn't like it because my clarinet parts were always like flutters like you know, like a clarinet sounds usually going to be the butterfly or the, the light trills, unless you're bass clarinet, then you're like literally like, dun, dun, dun. oh yeah, <laughs> the whole time. Like I've never met a not weird ass bass clarinet, and that's a lot coming from me because I embrace the weirdos. But like, oh, yeah. yeah, so that's sort of like a like that's the that's the thought process behind giving a kid a clarinet first is like. Mm-hmm. It's small. It's you know, it's compact. It's easy. It's just pretty durable. There's not a lot of things you can break, but um, unless unless it's like New Orleans jazz style stuff, I don't really fuck with uh, clarinet like that. All right, since you know your instrument is saxophone and everything, were you driven to more sax oriented music or or brass driven music? You know, like ska, maybe funk or whatever. You know. Where brass is more in front? Well, okay, so when I learned about music, it was before all of the streaming. The access wasn't there. So how I learned about music was either through my peers or radio or, like, magazines. So, like, the sax that I listened as an adolescent, it was, like... 
fuck, man. Maybe Kenny G type stuff. You know, like that smooth jazz shit. But then I went to the Battle of the Bands. And so, because I'm from Atlanta, ordinarily, that's where I spent most of my, uh, you know, my younger years. And when you go to the Battle of Bands, it is brass. It's like that, that just melt your face up, just that brass. And I really like that. And uh, from there, I started getting into like more jazz stuff. And one of the teachers that I had uh, just really went out of his way to make sure that I knew that people like who looked like me made me played saxophone and composed and wrote music and things like that. And that was important. And that was like for a semester because he got fired for sleeping in the band room. And that was a whole thing. But he was like really in my formal education because I'm, I, you know, I got a music scholarship and everything for sax was one of the ones who who made sure to let me know or to tell me like you can do you can make the music you want to make on your horn and here's some tools to do it and here's some people who are who are doing it and like you know listen listen to this song listen to like sort of the sax and this is sort of kind of the the stuff you like because I've always been into sweeping melodies uh and yeah other, other ones other teachers and other people around always pushed me to more like hip-hop because I'm black and yeah and you're just like when I'm not playing saxophone I'm playing like AFI on my bass like that like stupid bass lines and stuff like that so like um okay my first solo project was I think I'll sketch Malchus right and mm-hmm. I didn't have a drummer um but I played everything else on there play guitar bass a little bit of key on there I can't sing mm-hmm. for shit actually I can barely do. I can kind of do a shouting vocal thing. I haven't done that in a while, though. But um, the thing about you, it is, you can, you can split your. Uh, you can like sort of like like Chris Cornell, like where he splits his octaves and stuff like that. No, more like a more like a New York hardcore kind of thing. That kind of Sweet. thing. Okay. More like that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. Um. <clears throat> so, what happened was like um, when people founded their music, they said, "So you do beats?" I'm like, "No, I." don't do beats i do instrumental rock yes and people couldn't comprehend the idea because i'm like <laughs> Wait, what year was this this was like 2006 2007 maybe like yeah yeah when did the yeah. other sketch markers don't come out like 2011 i think too so they come say so you do beats no i do instrumental rock music i mean does anybody ask nine inch nails that did anybody ask god flesh that not that i actually know but did ask KMFDM that? No, I do fucking, I do like a little more akin to industrial. Like the stuff I was doing back then, it sounded like Nine Inch Nails doing Speed with Three Six Mafia. Okay. But that's good shit. Oh, yeah. But it's like people couldn't comprehend the idea that no, these aren't beats. They're instrumentals, but mm-hmm. they're not beats, though. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, okay. That being said, so. All right, so growing as an artist and whatnot, so who do you say influences are and what do you learn from them? Influences, man. All right, so I would say Rick Rubin's a big one. Okay. Rick Rubin's a big one uh, for so many reasons. One of the reasons is this guy, like, he he was he was one of the pioneers of a whole genre. Hmm. 
so and he's a, he's like a tall Jewish dude. Yeah. And he's like making like like not just making beats, but he's writing for so many different genres of music, and he's still like himself. Oh yeah. Like through and through. So that's one of the one of the people who is really inspirational to me, and I try to watch uh, his interviews and things like that, but I also don't. I also just make sure to listen to the music he makes because I never wanted like him to say something. I just, I just, I just really am. Yeah. In all, you know what I mean? Like the never meet your heroes thing. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Kill your heroes. Kill them all. And that's one of my buds things. Kill your idols. I think that's like some idol, some slogan is using with kill your idols. Have a bunch of serial killers on there. I know some weird people. I'll put it that way. No, it's no. I think it's. I think it's uh, absolutely necessary. I told my younger brother that uh, you're you you should be your own hero. And at times when you're not your fucking hero, that's that's fine. But uh, you never know. You never know the, the intricacies of someone's heart and the little mazes and stuff like that. So don't. So don't think you do through a screen or through an interview or through what they present if you like the art like the art if you like what they do like what they do um, so yeah absolutely just 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 listening to him and seeing how he keeps pushing through mm-hmm. i mentioned flea a lot just because he plays not only because he plays bass but it's like he compliments the music and he is he makes he makes like himself be known in the music oh yeah but he doesn't over I don't feel like he overpowers it, even when he's like slapping and going crazy. It 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 goes really well. Uh, Anthony Kiedis's lyrics, on the other hand, you you're like, what the fuck? Is, what the fuck are you talking about? But oh yeah, uh, and then I got to mention the California. <laughs> oh, so I read his book. So during this pandemic, I've just been like inhaling music biographies and memoirs. I'm um, actually going to start. Yes. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like I, you know, you feel horrible. You don't get that right, but I have that book downstairs that had it. Uh, as far as other influences go, I like Coltrane. He said something that always stuck with me, and it was pretty much just play what you know and play it well, and you, yeah, and just use that to create some some interesting sentences and make a statement with that. So um, that, and also like, dude, I go to a lot of conference. Well, say a lot. I've been to some conferences. Uh, one of the things, and I always try to look at the positive side of things. One of the things that I will attribute positively to Houston is that because of uh, sort of the cultural void here, I've had to go outward. You know what I mean? And so with the low, low cost of living, you kind of have this DI and you're like, all right, well, shit, I could go to the bar and get drunk enough to hang out with some of these people, or I could use it to go to a conference or go to a camp. I went to a jazz camp in Oakland, uh, or it's actually in the Redwood Forest, but it's, um, it was put on by Living Jazz. And dude, like you get there. So I pack up my horn, I pack up a suitcase. I'm going to be there for eight days. I had not been camping at that point in a good five years. And I pack up a suitcase, pack up my horn, 
pack up a few, you know, essentials, and I head to Oakland. I meet someone who I actually became really good friends with. I stayed at her house for a little bit, and we drove out to the Redwood Forest. And you get to a point there, when you're going up this winding road, and they say, all right, make your last phone call. Like, there's a sign, and it's like California Redwood. So it's like a very, like, I think someone had a calligraphy brush and probably, like, an angel sat on their shoulders. Like, just write it. It was just beautiful. Make your last phone call. And then I just was like, I don't want to call. Okay. And so you get up there and I just see that my phone is no longer respond. Like it has zero bars. And that was the whole thing. So for eight days, uh, you had to literally climb a huge pole to get reception to make a phone call or anything. So I ended up calling my mom, I think on day three or four, while I'm like legs are wrapped around this pole, one arm here talking because that's if you want to make a phone call motherfucker climb it otherwise you need to be focused and so what the camp was was uh eight days intensive um, from 9 a.m to 6 p.m of music so you could do workshops uh and you could do everything from your specific instrument to songwriting to engineering to like drums everybody was there the drums showed up guitars trumps the woodwinds brass um dancers were there like it was insane and you could go to and vocalists like you can go to other workshops and it was all in the redwood forest it's all in the woods there were eight grand pianos no there were eight uh just yamaha uprights in the woods so you're walking in the woods through a path that opens to a jam jam area with like uh a rolling keyboard i was intimidated to play it because like i love that keyboard and so i'm like Ooh, taxi. So you're sitting there. There's like a drum set. The keys are there. Uh, like you have like bongos and stuff. You know, everybody's chiefing. And it's just like a good time for eight days. So like think of like that's like concentrated um, just inspiration. And so when you say my inspirations, that whole experience was an inspiration. The fact that I saw everyone there from like the age of 16 to 85, like folks who couldn't even walk up the hills. So they got a ride. So some people had their cars and stuff because they were older or they're impaired in some way. And you could just hop on a truck. For me, I'm carrying this like 30 pound saxophone from one part of the forest to the other around like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm a little tired and I'm walking. The truck goes by. Hey, you want a ride? Yeah, I'm going to the yurt to to work on mindfulness while creating music yeah hop in we're passing there and it's like cool and like for eight days it was just like this music sanctuary and uh, I seek those type of things out as an inspiration so it's sort of like all of its inspiration it's inspirational to see like the person who always wanted to create music but took but but you know followed the the blueprint it's sort of took the pill but as we know not all pills work for everybody so some of that you could suppress you could suppress yourself enough to make it to 80 till you drop dead but some people it's like shit man i i have this in me i gotta get it out and like that person would show up and like the first let's say day one when we go around and say like you know why are you here and if you don't want to say why are you here just say effect if you don't want to say a fact, just say something nice, you know, whatever. And she would start talking about her family and her kids. And somebody would stop her and be like, hey, like, no offense. 
but you're here. Like, who are you? Silence. By the end of that camp, she's like writing songs. She's like tapping into herself. So like things like that are inspirational to me because that keeps me going. Because if she's there and she has all these like obligations and shit, and I'm, I all I need to do is just get my ass up and and perfect my craft. Then those type of things keep me going. So. All right. So when was this, by the way? Hmm. So when well, this retreat? When no, this, when was this? Oh. This this one happened two years ago, so 2018. I want to say in June. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I had the the DIY Musicians Conference last year in Austin, and that was just a conference for independent musicians. All these plugs, but um, but as a conference for independent musicians, uh, set up in Houston, and you just learn, like you just learn like the business side, the creation, the creative side. And then in both of these environments, all night long, you jam out. You just walk around with your instrument, jam out. And for me, if I, like sometimes I didn't feel like play, playing my sex. So you just walk around like, yo, can I hop on your bass? I can put four, four on the floor real quick. Like, so it's just sort of like being in these like, uh, like utopias for me, these artistic havens. So that's my inspiration and then like i have that then I'll, I'll come back to houston and it's just sort of like i'll be good for a couple more months okay okay wait i remember a while back you say you play you, you said you played bass right yeah how long you playing bass let me do the math 16 three times past november april june and september uh like about 15 16 years dude I, I was for my 16th birthday like i didn't want i didn't really want to party or anything because uh my friend my best friend who i just went to go see in california like he and i just went to get crab legs for my 16th and uh i was like what do you want to do for your birthday you want a sweet 16 party i'm like no i want a bass all right yeah because wonder how long you were playing both sax and bass and do you play anything else yeah sure so i have the let's see if you can see it there's a keyboard right there. Nice. I got keys. I got guitars right here. And I have an acoustic, and I want to do some pretty stuff. If you see it over here. Hey. So all self-taught uh, with the with my sex. I didn't know that folks had. I didn't know what private lessons were. So when I got to uh, undergrad, when I got to college on a music musician scholarship, I didn't know about theory. I like, when I tell you, I didn't know about theory. I didn't know about theory. Like my dog doesn't know about taxes. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? (laughs) Like, what is this? I didn't know about theory. Um, I can read anything, but I didn't really know that technical side of it. So that was a struggle and like learning how to play piano and just, how they approached education to me was a disgrace. So after like, I, I actually dropped my music major and lost that scholarship sophomore year. And yeah. And then just like, I picked up a rugby scholarship though and not rugby. Um, I picked up a sports management, but I was playing rugby and things like that. But 
yeah and i just like started really diving into more of like radio broadcasting uh, i hosted a radio show for a while in college um i met with my good friends we hosted a radio show together uh just talked about everything so that was really cool but um yeah so everything else was like flea taught me how to play like just a lot of stuff on bass because i would just watch him and see what he was doing so my style is just like just like that like even when he slaps like that's i would just be like with my vhs like pause and then uh this is back in the day before i guess you know cell phones and all that we had a music store in the shopping plaza that my mom went grocery shopping at so before i got my bass about the age of let's see, i was playing sax at that point about the age of 14 to 15 i would say hey you know when you go to cub foods that was a grocery store name can i go to mars the music store's name was mars and she was like yeah and so then it became hey you're going to you know you're going to these other stores too can you just leave me here and then come get me when you're done with the errands. And so then I'm hanging out at the music store with all the musicians. And, like, they know me. And then, yeah, and they're like, well, this is how you tune an instrument. And um, I used to skip school in high school. But when I skipped class, I wasn't, like, I was always straight edge. Like, I would write X's on my hands and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same and here. Straight, I, yeah. yeah. Like, from DC, it was that's just where easier. it started, you know. <laughs> Man. Like, I was saying, remember we had, remember like Dare back in the day? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would literally write, no thanks, I'm straight edge. I would literally yeah. write that I was like in fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Students Against Destructive Decisions. I was a part of that. It, but this, the acronym was SAD. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> like. Have, have you seen that one meme with like uh, the Dare lion? No. And it said, well, then fail this nigga right here. <laughs> like, I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm, but, you know, it's like, I never. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Actually, the funny you thing about it is I actually failed dare. You feel it? Yeah. No, I failed it. Oh. I'm not yeah, sure. You first. I'm not sure why, though. It was either two reasons why. It was either because I didn't show up there or because I brought my dad's crack pipe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My dad's Dude. never done any drugs. I okay. think drugs make it normal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. Uh, well... So I'm 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 here solo dolo. I'm in Houston by myself. Um, yeah, and so for me, when this all was happening, I made a plan with myself just so I wouldn't go like batshit crazy, stir crazy in the house with my my dog. And I just told myself we're going to take this as a message from the universe to create more and to just really dive in. So I got I've gotten really into graphic design. So it's one of the reasons I like was like, hey, let me try is because I was like, well, you know, I've been learning and taking classes with that. And just as I've been reading more of the memoirs and biographies, just really having the space and time to think about what I want to do and how I want to do it. 
it's been really it's been really good for me i've been doing a lot more paintings and i've been finishing them quicker the other part of it is i have more energy because i'm not going into the office and i'm working like part-time hours now so or what well, we work for myself so i make my own hours and going into the office for eight hours really is unnecessary for me because part of that's just me like not trying to slap a motherfucker or something like that so it's been good for me i've had more creative energy um just more space and time to do things but i do miss collaborating so um, hearing from you has been a really good thing and and just changing my how i uh, i guess approach being a creative person in Houston because the community is just not, you know, is is more than just kind of not here, but there's also just no, there's nothing to do to go out and get inspired or pull inspiration. So say all that to say I'm more air quote productive, but it's very, uh, it, it's, it, it lives in this apartment. It lives here. Yeah. Cause I was about to ask, um, have you been active in the music scene if there is one in Houston? Well, when I first got here, I joined uh, a I joined the Houston Civic Sym Symphony playing alto sax, and then I was part of the uh, Pride Band here playing tenor, and it was cool. You know, it was cool. I haven't met like I, I haven't met people here who like read music, so it's just kind of like. Or who want who, who don't want to do covers? Who want to create original stuff? So, um, you know, what I mean, I was a part of those things. But even the music they were playing, like it's like, dude, I played Go Go Symphony. Like I, I played in Go Go Symphony. Like we played, like the National Lawn. We played. We opened uh, for Trouble Funk at Nine Thirty Club. Oh yeah. Like, like we like I I've been in bands. Um, you know, I, I was I did a lot of this stuff with Flash Band for a while. And then from there, that that would always spiral into other things. So coming from like a place like D.C. where you can throw a rock and find somebody to do music with, do something creative with. Oh, yeah. And then coming here and just not having that. And when you do have it, like, I mean, the the, the music they were selecting for these symphonies just was like the reason people don't fuck with classical i'll say that it was just yeah 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 what are we doing so i and i used to i i hosted a jam session at my apartment for a while for a couple months but um and that was cool but again they just wanted to do covers and not even like deviate from the cover it was like well, well no like no that's not how that goes and i'm like no it's totally fine like i'm sure like the what was um what were we playing? Uh, Bob Seeger turn the page. Right. Yeah, and I was like, well, maybe we can like add some fuzz to it. Maybe we can like you know, fucking change it a little. Hell no. <laughs> so, but I did. That just made me kind of just do my own thing more. How'd you get into Gogo -Go Symphony though? So with Gogo -Go Symphony, uh, the Gogo -Go Symphony story is really interesting and cool because uh, she wrote this symphony as a tribute to her mother, who was a very, very good violinist, and who actually Lisa Figueroa, shout outs, is also a um, phenomenal uh, violin player as well. So she wrote the symphony, and she didn't have a band to play it. So she put out a Craigslist ad and said, um, hey, 
could anyone volunteer to play this song? She gave the backstory. She said, unfortunately, I don't have money to pay you, but I just would really like to hear this played by a band. So she put the audition out um, to play. And I was actually in the parking lot of Giant um, in Alexandria, Virginia. That's where I was living. And I was headed to that audition. I had auditioned that morning for another group that I actually got into and we became good friends, but I was headed to the Go-Go um, Symphony audition. And my mom called me, of course, and I'm in the parking lot. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating dinner because I went to the deli just to grab some food. And uh, I'm like, I'm eating dinner. She's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, in the parking lot, why? Because <laughs> I'm headed to an audition. And um, she's like, what are you auditioning for? And before I moved to D.C., I lived in Orlando. And in Orlando, I was introduced to, first of all, um, like Afro-Latinos, Afro-Latino culture like dominicans and stuff i didn't know about that shit like i'm from like suburbs of marietta or you know marietta georgia like you got like black white and not a lot of others and like you did have other stuff but you know atlanta's so damn pro-black that it's just kind of like that's a whole nother topic so then i'm in parking lot so i know about calypso music right i know about soca i know i know these things i've just i've just learned musical genres like living in orlando for a little bit which was really cool that and in life, you can still learn about different music. You know, like you could still learn about whole different genres that you've never fucking heard of. And it's the same seven notes. It's the same seven notes everywhere. So that's so cool to me. It's, it's one of the beauties of life. And so I'm in a parking lot. Mom's like, well, have you heard Go-Go before? Like, do you know what Go-Go is? I'm like, yeah, it's like like Calypso, right? She's like, no, no. it's not. <laughs> No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. There's like a totally different kind of go-go out in Jamaica. It's mm-hmm, totally mm-hmm. different. Like I heard of it. I'm like, they don't even call it that here because it's a mistranslation here. It's like a right, different right. kind of style. It's like, no, that's not the totally different meaning in Jamaica as it is here. Yeah, yeah. Like, so so she's saying, oh, she's like, oh, winter audition. I said, in 45 minutes, I'm going to drive over because I'm I'm on time for music stuff. Like, typically I'm on time for music um, not much or anything else. So, and um, I was like, all right, well, I'll check it out. I was like, go, go. And, I, and I'm like on the phone. I'm like, there's a lot of go, go stuff. She did Chuck Brown. Listen to Chuck Brown. That's go, go. And so I'm listening to Chuck Brown. And I call her back. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to go to this audition. And she's like. <laughs> it's, listen, when it comes to go, go, it's a very acquired taste. Like, I'll put it this way. <laughs> the words go, go songwriting aren't exactly exclusive to each other right right at all it's one of those things where it's one of those, i'll put it this way unless you're from chicago i guess you're not going to find mumble sauce anywhere else right right it's right, just one right. of those things you know but that's 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 the, that's the view of your life though so when you leave your bubble when you are traveled you know these things and well so uh, the audition pieces that I had was I transposed uh, Adele rolling in the deep and I thought I was doing something with the solo and then I was embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go in there with Adele. And then I had Adele and I think I had like like more of a classical piece because it said Go-Go Symphony. And so like I had Adele and I put it to a, a interesting beat 
And so then in my audition, I, I just apologized. I was like, hey, guys, um, <clears throat> uh, I'm playing these pieces to show my proficiency and my technical know-how, but I'm open to... Because I was like, where the hell does the saxophone fit in this? I don't even hear horns. Like, And so I played for like 15, 20 minutes. Not even 20, like maybe maybe 15. And then they're like, you got it. And I didn't even hear her say you got it. I just... I just played and then I started my ritual of thank you for having me and start packing up. And then when she said, you got it, I was just like, wait, what? Like, yeah, you're in a band. When can you practice? And, um, you know, what do you need? Like, we don't have payment right now, but we do cover like parking or something like that. And I was like, the fuck I'm in a band. Oh shit. 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 I was like, uh, uh um, I don't know. I don't know what to do from here because I haven't, I haven't been, to, okay, I did it. All right. So after that, we were rehearsing in her basement, dude, like shoulder to shoulder. <clears throat> like I'm just sitting there by next to a dude. And then there's a chick behind me, like with her knees almost in my shoulder because we're on the steps. And like, that's how we rehearsed for the first month or so. Like, like, and then just, it just kind of took off. Like we got invited to play DuPont Circle. Um, and we got rained out <clears throat> and like, it was like, save the horns and all this. So that's kind of how that started. Like it, it was really on some, yo, you want the DC experience? Boom. And I, cause I, I've always loved DC. Like it's, I have family there. It's like my heart. I'm a proctor. Uh, that's, that's my other name. And, uh, oh, so like, I, so yeah. like, a, like a Taft got a Newman like those. Mm-hmm. Let me tell well, you right now. Yeah. Here's the thing about it, but that's let me explain right now. That is so to the area. Like seriously, GoGo is as what's the word I'm looking for? Is as I want to say Jermaine, but that's not the word I'm looking for. It Take is time. It's something like that to the area. It's so native. To, okay, I'll just say native. Let me tell you right now. GoGo is as native to the area as the Tapscots, Proctors, and the Newmans. Beautiful. That's yeah, yeah. that's exactly how native as it is. So it's yeah. one of those kind of things, you know. Yeah, and I learned about that there. So imagine like going to a place that you were always drawn to, going to a place you were always drawn to, getting your whole life with the culture. Because, like, for me, how I live, when I go to a place, I want to become part of it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I want to like be in, 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 part of it. And so yeah. I learned about go go. First, I read a book, and it's it was called it the was beat? something. I, nah, it was it had a little boy on the cover. Let me see, go go. Hmm. But it, they did a really good job of telling the history of uh of of why it's it's it, why go go is so impactful and important. Not just for DC, it's called Go Go Live. Oh, okay. Have you heard of that one? I might have by uh, Natalie Hopkins. Uh so it's like it 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 drew it drew the parallels between go-go music and punk. So like oh, yeah. how how like uh, like how like the uh like uh, guitarists and shit from Fugazi yeah would be Ian McKay. And, yeah yeah and Henry and Rollins. So, like, yeah. Right, yes, yes. And and cuz I was always I always like like Henry Rollins. Oh, yeah. Now I understand why. So like it was so dope to me that this music like Imagine going to a place that you were always drawn to, knowing that your last name has clout. The fuck? 
because you know what i mean like yeah. especially coming from austin where there were times in austin texas when i lived there where i asked people can you see me like can you like existential crisis type shit because yeah i felt that invisible and then going to dc where it's like oh you're a proctor oh that's cool you know let me see if we can and then learning about this music that you've never heard of that has such cultural significance to sure. the fact that uh, they cr- created police forces to stop music. Yeah. To stop fucking music. Yeah. Like, but yeah, well, facts. Facts. The fact that that was like, uh, as an as a AT alien, that was like the crunk music. Oh, absolutely. Like, like and shoot. Lil John, don't forget on Crunk Juice, he had a DJ Flex on there. Oh, you are right. So Little John's you very aware. Right. In fact, Little John actually, you know, it, it was a kind of a thing. It was a cultural exchange between Baltimore Club and the crunk thing. Yes. Like they would sample yeah. like Little John, what? That kind of thing on tracks. Yeah. yeah. And he produced that song Shots for was it LMFAO or somebody like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a total Baltimore Club rip. So it was one of those well played, nigga, well played. Well, shit, Kilo Ali. So, talk about Baltimore house music, being someone in Atlanta. So, you know, it was a lot of hip hop stuff in Atlanta, but it was also a lot of cool rock stuff. Uh, there's a lot of cool rock going on in Atlanta too. And when we talk about that, you can't you can't not mention Baltimore. You can't not mention Detroit for like their influences. So, like, it was all in that. And so, the cool thing about that crunk movement. Was that's when I started going out to the club when I was 17. And of course, I'm sitting here like I'm still X's on my hand. I'm like, yo, like I'm I'm going out. I'm still wearing my Jinkos, but I'm in the hip hop spots. And so like, but but we moshing still. We're still moshing, but it's like get some crunk in your system. And then you just run around. Yeah, because that was that was like, little John's idea. He tried to bring the punk rock energy, like the 70s punk rock energy to, you know, a more surprisingly conservative traditional rap scene that was kind yeah. of building it into which direction to go into like just pictures of little john with a bad brain shirt and he legitimately likes the band you know yeah, in yeah, fact yeah. i always thought you know there's a picture of hr right when they had the locks mm-hmm. or anything and mm-hmm. he kind of looked like little john a little bit could be like little john's dad or something yeah yeah but when you listen to little john in the interviews he mentions all of that so around that time this is about a time I, I fancied myself a sound engineer. So, like, the, the compromise was I get my degree, but my mom, shout out to mom, would literally drop me off at these studios. Sankonia, um, I, I was in a studio with Yang Yang Twins, all these fools. They all were rockers. <laughs> like, these, they, like, so all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden I'm around my peoples because I'm not going to ever not be me. And like, yeah, I play saxophone and stuff. That's because by myself, I'm not about to sit here. I I have and I do, but by myself, I like to play my horn. So that's what comes out. So like, that's just like sort of uh, me. But um, but yeah, going back to just my mind being blown by learning about go go and punk, and then learning about like just the cultural significance of it all, and just. Loved it, like, and this, and then, so I had to read up on it because for me, I'm still, I'm still a 13 year old where I'm like, don't be a poser, don't be a poser. Yeah, same, I'm same here when I was that age too. Like anything that I got into, I would study it, be aware yep. of the history of it, you know, yep, and be willing to learn. 
Yeah, yeah. And and knowing that you were noobs. So like you gotta learn the culture, you gotta learn uh this and that. So man, it and it opened up so much for me. It opened up a, a lot. Just hanging out with Trouble Funk, hel- hanging out with Belladonna and shit like that. Like, man, like those are those are some good times. And uh one, one of the lines is if you focus on the past, your ass will be a has been. But I had some really, really incredible times, uh, thanks to not only just go-go music, but just being open to, you know, just, like, fucking shit up and just, like, looking for that energy in music, so. Okay. So what's your gear setup? Oh, my gear setup for, I mean, pick the instrument. For what? Any and all. All right, let me see. So I've been in the in the, in the uh, process of getting a new mouthpiece. Right now, I'm playing a jazz model JDX five Eugene Russo a plastic mouthpiece. So that's pretty legit. Uh, for my reads, I fucks with Van Doren ZZ sixteens. I recently went down to a two and a half inch, and I thought I was embarrassed about that because I always thought, you know, you, the better you play, the better you are, the harder your read. But I'm getting a way more flexible sound now. And I also have a, a Vidoran uh, ligature. My horn is a Yamaha. Which one am I playing? Is this? It's the P25, the P16. That's the tenor one. Uh, that's pretty much that. Uh, for my, I have a Takamini acoustic electric. That's pretty legit. Um, it's pretty responsive. I'm still, I still have my, um, I still have my, uh, my, my Fender bass, my Fender electric, uh, Casio Prevera keyboard. Just you know, just quality, quality stuff set up. Using a Focusrite uh, interface right now. Just some slight. So yeah, just. Everything I have is efficient, manageable, and works for right now and is getting me the sounds that I need and, and, and is allowing me to do the job. I always try to have the the uh, the art um, finance itself is my rule. So I will, yeah, I will spend the money and I will spend the time to get uh, excellent gear, but I never want to be a hoarder. I'm low-key minimalist. So it's, I just, I'm all about like quality, efficiency, and making sure that I'm not trying to buy my way into um, any sounds or anything like that, if that makes sense. So that's sort of where I am right now. So I'm not, I, I, I keep up with everything, but I'm not that huge of a, a gearhead yet, just because. I'm still making sure I know all my shit. Like I just bought a um, a drawing tablet. So now like for my Photoshop stuff. So when you're spread this thin and you have this many artistic endeavors, you got to make sure that you're, you're being smart about it and you're being smart about the money you spend and, and making sure you can play everything, making sure you can use everything because what's the point of having this dope ass keyboard or, or spending money on a dope ass guitar that you can't play? 
or you don't want to play because it doesn't feel right. So that's where I'm at with that. I know you under another name, and I'm not going to mention it publicly. You know, but how did Ori Soren come about, though? Yeah, so, uh, well, I was Blue Fox in college. So when I was a DJ in college, my name was Blue Fox, DJ Blue Fox. Okay. And um, that came up from like, middle school, high school. And so when I first moved to D.C., I put away all my musical things. I said, you know, I'm going to be a marketing exec by the time I'm 30, and I'm going to be, you know, I want to be this. I, I was I, I was trying to, you know, break the wings, push them back, tie them down, and get in that box when I first moved. And so part of that was Blue Fox is no more. <laughs> like it was just like very dramatic and almost like trying to commit suicide listening to me say it. Yeah. And um, that shit didn't last at no. all. That's just not last in DC. That's because it's, it, it's, you'll be, even like when I was at work, I'd be at work with some cat who would bring in their instrument because they're in a band. And you know what I mean? Like, so I, so in DC, I learned that you can, you can do both. And I needed a new name. And I just told myself, it'll come to me when it comes. And last year, I got really into reading up on Yoruba and reading up on Hoodoo and reading up on all these different things, learning about the Orishas and, and things like that. And part of it and part, and just like really being drawn to all of that and I and I really am I just it's not like a conversation I lead with because I don't feel that spirituality is a personality I and then I went back and forth with do I want one name do I want two names and then one day Ori just hit and I liked Ori because at first it was Ori it was just always Ori and then I realized that was um, a Jewish guy's name and so then I was like well I still like Ori and so I thought I wanted it to be two names, um, but I don't know what. So then let it go for months. And that's how, that's kind of how I operate too. I, I'm big into like manifestation I'm big, and all these things. And part of it's sort of like forefront stuff. Like, let's say, let's say I wanted to start a project. I'm not going to like break my neck to make it happen today. I'm just going to put it right here at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. So sort of like, you know what I mean? So like, sort of like me having a procedure for if I drop food. Like, what parameters will I pick it back up? I like thinking about stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't think about like pop culture shit. I think about, you know, if you drop your cheeseburger, at what point do you leave it? Just leave the bottom bun? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I try to think about things like that. Depends how how much it bounced. <sighs> think about it that way. But even then, I still wouldn't want to touch it, though, because even then, there's still stuff that you might be able to see that's on there. Yeah, so you got to let it go. Exactly. A lot of it, a lot of it, you have to let go. Uh, or, you know, I have a dog. One time I dropped something, she came out of nowhere, took it, and I just laughed. But this is uh, when I first was in living in D.C., and I was, like, broke as hell. And she, I dropped, like, I dropped a plate of food. And I thought she was, I didn't know what she was. She ran out. She grabbed the chicken breast and, and scarfed it down like a shark. <laughs> and that was all I had to eat. And I was just like, I guess I'll eat this mixed vegetables and tuna. <laughs> like, what the hell? So, um, 
just said. So yeah, so the so the name came up and then soaring just came up. I soaring, like it just popped. And I said, Ori soaring. And then I liked the way it sounded, and it's kind of hard to say. And I was like, Ori soaring, is it one word or two? I was like, you'll change it up. I was like, okay, so I'll be a I'll be like pan <laughs> ori soaring. Like sometimes it's one word, sometimes it's two. And that's just where I'm at with it. Like, um, I saw like other people change their name all the time and i just said no i'll just sometimes it's two words sometimes it's one word um either way is fine but ori soaring just sounds good and so uh the first time that someone called me ori soaring was at the uh i was at a music workshop no no, no i was at a writing workshop so i shit on houston for not having a music scene but they have a phenomenal writing scene and so as i've yeah, so so in this in this life, like y'all, one one of the women, she said, "Oh, so what's so what's your name?" She's writing on it like a name tag. I said, "Oh," she said, "No, what's your name?" I was like, "Ori Soaring." She said, "I knew it," and she wrote that, and like I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> this is awesome!" So like, that's sort of where the name came from. And Ori, um, in Yoruba is sort of it, it points to sort of your um this part like i guess i don't want to mess it up but like just part of like it's like of god so okay. ori is of god and it's it's sort of right here yeah and, 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 I, and I don't know somebody knows their chakras and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i mean it's i have a light spot in the middle of my forehead i fell through a table when i was younger and um and so that's what the ori part of god because as a musician, as an artist, like for me, I hear music in my head and it's up to me to make it worldly. Like it's up to me to figure out how to convey this shit. And I believe in God, but I believe in it in a like a it's all over type of thing. So oh, yeah. that's where, I, and, and in, in that culture, is the idea is that that's how it comes in through you. So it's like it's Ori. And, um, that's it. It's, all, it's a tribute. It's a tribute. And it keeps me humble. So I'm, I'll never be one of those musicians who acts like it's a secret how I'm playing shit. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. or how I how I got here. So that's that's the names, Ori. And then the soaring part is just about, you know, it's about birds, John. Okay, I can see that. Like, you know, I can see that too. Um, The... the What's on your SoundCloud? It's called Demo Disc. So who's playing on there? Is that all you? It's all me. Every single part is me. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, Everything. Shit. Yeah. And you know why it's called the Demo Disc? Can I was about to ask, it? what's the story behind the Demo Disc? I take it you experiment with different genres and different styles and just kind of figuring out stuff? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's a nod um, to, do you remember when you would get a, a, a Demo Disc with your system? So yeah, like yeah, PlayStation? Yeah, yeah. You had like the jam pack, so oh. it was between demo disc and jam pack, and you would get the point of me calling it the demo disc for me is first of all that's what it is. It's like a demo of me, and part of me is a lot of different genres and sounds, and it's yeah, it's all me. It's a hundred percent me because that's something I learned at GoGo Symphony. If I own the shit, I don't have to compromise it. Like you know what I mean? I could teach you how to play it. Because I, it, maybe it took me 15 hours to write the song, and maybe I teared up a little bit because I was frustrated because my the idea I have in my head was greater than maybe my technical technical oh, yeah. ability. Now yeah. I have to pause the song 
and practice and learn then you know what i mean but that's it's really cool for me but i call it the demo disc like i said it's a demo of everything and it's also a demo they're rough cuts like i did i did the best i could with the engineering and all that but at the end of the day i can only be so much <laughs> like oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I call it the demo disc. And like my idea is um, I chose the color pal colors before Kanye, but like I just like it to be like real simplistic and clean and just, you know, find what you're looking for within the demo disc and then know that I have a whole big ass um, like external hard drive full of way more songs, way more songs. You know what I mean? Nice. So, demo disc okay all right what are your thoughts on like venues shutting down everything yeah that's rough like for me like i travel a lot of course and i'm i'm like i'm a city kid i'm a country kid like country girl heart i'll always be southern but i love cities and part of me going to new cities is going to these venues you know what i mean like yeah like and when they not just close but shut down i feel like like you know uh grandmother willow or some shit like in uh pocahontas like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Tree to her and help gave her guidance yeah, yeah. i said i feel about some of these venues you're like man these yeah. prolific bands played there man and like there's something about that ringing in your ear after yes. you see the show. Oh, yeah. You know, like, because, like, you go outside and the whole world sounds, seems turned down. And you share this experience with people. And, like, like for me, like, I, like, uh, you familiar with the band Cold? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I love fucking Cold. I've seen Cold in every city I've lived in multiple times. I've, I've <laughs> talked to them. I tell, you know, uh, Scooter, Scooter, the reason I, I, I write such honest, honest lyrics and I'm nervous about releasing them because they're very, um, they're, my lyrics are written as a human who is having a very honest conversation about very human things. Mm-hmm. And so it's very vulnerable. And, um, but going to those venues because I rarely meet other cold fans. But when I go to a show, dude, hey everyone knows. Yeah, everyone knows the songs, and it's all good vibes. And cold music is quite sad. <laughs> like, cold music is just like, the, especially thirteen ways to bleed on stage. Like the first one is just like, fuck, man. But you go to these shows, and it's just camaraderie. It's just a community that's really a theme throughout a lot of my time. So Hi. when I hear about them shutting down, it's just like. It's sad for me, but it's also sort of like, what's going to happen next? Because that was so much part of the culture. That was so much part of being for a lot of people. Like, for me, like, no matter what, I could always go to a show and I could could, uh, be around other uh, music lovers, like true music lovers. And I just show that we both went to the death show. The vibes there, I honestly think that was one of the happiest, like, as far as a vibe goes. Oh, yeah. That I've been to, like, just love in the air. Like, like, <laughs> mm, a little love. Like, oh, just, yeah. So, oh, we're, yeah. We're, now that they're 
you know, shut down, where do we go? Like what, what happens now? Because not everything could be, not everything can be like this uh, structured corporate. This is what fun feels like. And this is socializing, you know? So what, where do you go to see the music now? That's kind of the question. So I'm, I'm hope I know we'll figure it out, but I, I wonder what it looks like. Okay, what are some fond recollections of the DC music scene that you have? Oh yeah, man, all of it. Okay, all of it. Like that was, it was like my dream. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning, I said that I really averaged five to six hours of sleep, and that's very true, but. When you are in your element, I find that sleep, you can, you can get rest and restoration in many ways in life. And for me, going to work from, you know, eight to eight to six, whatever, because for a while I was a director of a music school, a boxer rock. And so I was doing that. And then I'd come, I'd leave from work. And at this time, uh, Roxy, shout out to Roxy, was a puppy. And I would come home, tend to feed her and take her out a little bit because I was still in my musicianship and um, I'd head back out. So I'm out the door around eight and I come back around three, typically a little tipsy or something. I let the dog run around off leash in the neighborhood. Silly, but I did it. And then rinse, repeat for years. Um, And saying that, it's just the exposure to everything being so new and, and fun that was the fun part for me, like learning, like just being in my element and being safe because the other part of it is I this I couldn't really, then I really wouldn't and don't play CD clubs because I'm a mark. I'm a total mark. You know what I mean? So I can't put myself in situations to where I'm going to be in danger. So that meant I had to be very selective with the people I engaged with. And just so happens the people I engaged with were, were great people. And they um, were just very diverse. So like one day I'm playing, uh, I'm playing in a chamber, a chamber setting, chamber music setting. You know, I'm playing transposed bass clarinet parts. And then the other one, I'm like subbing in on like a police funky like show you know what i mean so like it's just like being all over the place going to baltimore and their stupid ass jazz scene was just their underground underground jazz scene was sick like the stuff they were doing so like it's being exposed to all that and that was the fun stuff as far as recollections go man i hung out a whole bunch of hip-hop people who were also heavy rockers like one night we're chilling in portis head the other night, we're jamming old school Cypress. We would uh, drive up to Cypher's in Brooklyn and then up there. Because I was like the youngest one around. And I'm just like, well, I've never been busking. And they're like, what? And so then like just being around these people who just were pushing me to be better. You know what I mean? And like for me, that was just phenomenal. Friends I had out there, even if they weren't musicians and stuff, they were so supportive and like putting you on. So it's like, just like, like the, the networking of, Oh, I know this person who could do this. And even if I show up and I don't really want to play with them, I can still fuck with it. And so those are fun recollections. I think uh, recording my first song from start to finish and being with my friend, uh, Edgar Diaz, shout outs and him just pretty much 
holding my hand through being a professional musician and showing me what that looks like. Showing me, like, uh, we opened for Cody Chestnut at the Howard Theater and showing me, like, just, like, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in a room and Cody Chestnut is right there. And then I, and I think to answer your question, it's me, it was me being in my element with other people as a collection and another another fun uh experience is being recognized is is being recognized um as a musician so when um the first time i played like just by myself like just in public was i was playing at the brooklyn bridge and um my homie pushed me to do it. Like it's been, it's been kind of a theme. Like I'll do stuff. Like I'm pretty fearless, but sometimes you need that push. And so we, yeah, we were chilling and it's a bunch of uh, political activist types. So we're talking like, like we're a family's party, like just very grassroots, like very uh, liberal progressive. That's their shit. Like they love politics. You know what I mean? Like they're, they, they know who, who can get arrested at this protest because you know, that type of shit so it was that crew and i'm just like man i just you know i want to do this They're like you should play and then it was christmas time and so i just was like all right fuck it let's just go to the brooklyn bridge and i like i didn't know shit about shit i didn't know the significance of the brooklyn bridge i, I knew it was a bridge in brooklyn and so <laughs> it's pretty much like a lot of me in that um, time period was just me not knowing shit about shit and just and just going with the light chasing that light chasing that light so i set up i open my cases i've seen other people do and i um knew a couple of songs so i know a couple of christmas songs um and a lot of jazz songs can be interchanged uh, inter- you know christmasy so i was playing a uh a, like a rudolph the red something like that this couple was walking and then they stopped and walked back to me and started playing right in front of me. Yes. And like, not playing, um, dancing, my bad. They started dancing right in front of me. And like slowed, like, I I was part of their night. And to me, that was, like, that was six hours monumental to me because it's like, man, I was part of their night. I, I, I was like, they stopped and came back and danced. Now, mind you, after Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer went off, like shout outs in my DJ years because I was like, where do I go to next? I just played it again. <laughs> I was just like, well, I think y'all like this vibe. And then I took a couple of long solos and all that. And afterwards, like dude dropped five bucks in there and just kind of like said, you know, nodded, thank you. And I was just like, I just did that shit. Like, yeah. Well, Ori, it's great catching up with you. Haven't seen you since 2015, but I'm glad to see you making strides and, you know, following dreams and making them a reality. Glad to chat with you. You know, can't wait to hear from you again. Is there anything else uh, out there you want to, you want us to check out? Uh, no, just uh, follow me on Instagram would be the best thing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any, uh, yeah, follow me on IG. I'm looking to do a mailing list pretty soon. And so the mailing list will have first listens. Hmm, cool. And I'll be posting more regularly um, from here on out. But yeah, right. just follow me on IG. That's Ori Soaring, the artist uh, on IG. Ori, O-R-I, Soaring, S-O-A-R-I-N-G, the artist. 
on IG and uh, you know, feel free to, to, to say something, drop a line. I, I love interacting and chatting with people. It was awesome uh, catching up with you as well. And I'm looking forward to trading tracks with you. All right. Can't wait. Look forward yeah. to it. I'm ready. Hey, great catching up with Ori. Check out our website, orisoaring.com. That's O-R-I-S-O-A-R-I-N-G.com. And also Ori Soaring the Artist on IG. That's O-R-I-S-O-A-R-I-N-G, the artist on IG. Thank you.